0: If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Philippians chapter four, and uh, I'm going to teach. I, you know, I felt stirred in my heart about this, and um, to teach. And it's not. I mean, I do talk about it fairly often, but I don't usually take an entire service just to really speak uh, really about it. And um, but. Uh, Tonight I want to look at uh, really what prosperity really is, uh, because there's a lot of misunderstanding uh, in it, and because you're either one ditch or the other typically, and a lot of people don't understand that there's a balance somewhere in the middle, and um, you know, as to what God's really heart is for us, for our blessing, for our prosperity, I mean the Bible's pretty clear over and over and over again that God wants us blessed, but... How do you define what blessed is and how much is blessed and to what degree is blessed? And, you know, and so there's just a lot of questions about this. And so um, my actual title is Prosperity from God's View. And uh, so there's just some things that I want to share with you now. Um, I'll just kind of get some of this out of the way up front. You know, a lot of times people get funny when we start talking about money in church. And, uh, you know, so I'm not sharing anything with you that I don't personally live out. Therefore, I don't have a problem talking about it. Uh, you know, I, I ask people to tithe. Why? Because I'm a tither because I don't do that as a pastor. I do that as a follower of Christ. And, uh, you know, and so there are things like that. But um, I also believe that uh, if we don't understand and see properly what God does and how God wants to do it, that we may not experience all the blessings the way God wants us to uh, simply because we have a skewed view. And, you know, I mean, how can God bless you if you don't even believe that God wants you blessed? You know, and even to a point of saying, well, God can do way more because, you know, and here's just some of my heart. Let me say it like this. If hard work alone was enough for us to be blessed, a lot more people would be blessed because there's a lot of people who work really hard. And yet they never see the provision and the blessings of God in their life. I mean, I believe in hard work. I think most of you, hopefully, I know, I hope that you know that about me, that I believe in working, but there's much more to it than just that. There's an element that, man, you've still got to believe God. I don't care how hard you work. You need to be faithful with what you put your hands to do, but I don't want to be blessed at my level or my ability to accomplish anything. I want to be blessed at the level that God calls me faithful at. And there's a big difference. And, uh, you know, and so I want to just share my heart a little bit about this. And, um, you know, and so uh, just kind of right here at the beginning, let me just say this. And I'm going to echo what Paul says in Philippians chapter 4. We're going to read verse 15 and verse 17. And it says, As you know, you Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help when I first brought the good news to you and traveled on from Macedonia. He says, no other church did this. And so Paul is obviously talking about giving. I give you this so that you understand in context what he's saying. But he's obviously talking about them giving of their finances. And in verse 17, he makes a statement. and says, I don't say this because I want a gift from you. Because most of the time, any time that a pastor or a preacher starts talking about money, people start getting a little funny and they say, the preacher just wants my money. And a lot of people and a lot of ministers are hesitant to ever talk about money. I'm not one of them, but there are a lot who are. Uh, you know, I just made a determination that I just didn't care. Uh, Because, you know, if I was your doctor and you came to me and said, I have a problem, and I said, well, just don't use it. Your knee hurts, just stay off of it. But what if you need surgery? What if you need, like, some medication? What if you needed a certain treatment and I just said, no, I'm not going to give that to you? Would I be a good doctor? Well, your money represents you. It really defines you and what's important to you and what's of real value to you. And so your money is a reflection of your heart. And so money makes a... it's a big deal. And just as Paul says here, he says, look, I'm not trying to get anything from you. He says, I don't want to give from you. He says, rather, I want you to receive the reward of your kindness or from your giving. And he's given us really a key here. And many times people... um, You know, one of the things that I have found is that most people who get mad at preachers for talking about money don't give anyways. So, and now you may be here and you're like, well, I give and I don't like you talking about it. I'm sorry if that offends you. But I'm just, from experience, most people who make the most noise are the ones who don't do anything about what they're griping about. They just want to make noise about it. You know, and there's some things that we have to understand. It's exactly what Paul talks about here. He says, Look, I want you to receive a reward. You know, there is a reward that comes with generosity. I mean, it is God's system for us to be blessed. Say, Well, I want to be blessed. You're going to have to be generous. You're going to have to be a giver. And I don't mean just in your giving to the church. That's an element, and there's a part to that. But giving goes way beyond that. Giving's a lifestyle. I mean, giving is like, do you tip your waitress or are you a cheapskate? You know, I mean, I, I, now some of you are like, oh, now you're meddling. But, but I mean, I remember when I went to Kansas, my pastor there that I worked for, I was a youth pastor. And one of the, it was actually the only thing he said to me concerning living where we lived in Kansas. And he says, whatever you do, don't be cheap when you go out to eat. He said, if you can't afford a tip... Give a tip and tell me and I'll give you the money. He said, because you don't want to be the preacher that's known as the cheap guy. (laughs) He said, because if that's true, you just need to pack it up and head out. Because, you know, and even to the degree of like, and and I still do this even in my own life. If I call like a plumber, I don't lead with, hey, I'm a pastor. Can I get a discount? Like I I despise that kind of stuff. I just do. A workman is worth his wage, right? Right. And so, if somebody does a job for me, they deserve to get paid, right? I mean, that's usually the way that works. If I go and do work for somebody else, I don't do it for charity. I do it to feed my family, right? Isn't that why you go to work? Does anybody go to work because you just love it? And you're just like, man, I just want to do this for free. This is just the. I could do if I could do this on vacation, it would be perfect. No, you go to work. Why? Because you want a paycheck because you need some finances. And yet, you know, many times what happens is, is that there seems to be a disconnect in the area of finances where people trust in their money, they trust in their employer. But here what Paul says is, look, that when we're generous, there is a reward that is connected with our generosity, with our kindness, with our giving. And the thing about that is is that when I give, it's the ultimate sign of saying, God, I trust you more than my checkbook. That's what it declares to God. I trust you. Now, it's an act of honor to God. I mean, you know, the Bible does say that we are to give to the Lord, yes. And it's an act of obedience, but even steps further than that, it's an act of honor, it's an act of worship. It's a con- that's why we receive the offering around our time of worship. Why? Because it's a continuation of our worship. It's not an interruption in the service. It's a moment where we're recognizing, God, that we want to keep you first place in our life. And Paul says, look, I'm not talking about this because I want something from you. The reason I'm even bringing this up is because I want you to receive the reward of your obedience. And that's the heart of Paul, and that's my heart for you tonight. Is that I want you to receive the reward of what? Of your giving, of, of your kindness. But I want the yeah. blessings that pour out of that into your life. And so that's the place I want you to hear what I'm going to share with you tonight from. Not that the church needs money. Look, I, I get a salary. I don't, I'm not on like commission, you know, from the church. I don't like get a percentage of whatever. I get a salary. It, we've set that. It's what it is. That's fine. Okay, just so you're aware, because sometimes people do funny things and people get funny about money. Why? Because they should. And churches who are really silent about church or about the money, I I get kind of nervous about. That's why we have accountability. That's why I talk about it. That's why every year I stick it up there on the wall for you to look at and see and say, what did we we do with what we had? Why? Because I got nothing to hide. And, I, and I, that should give you a certain amount of comfort, but it gives me a lot of comfort. Why? Because I got nothing to hide. You don't believe me? It's right there. You know. I mean, we. That's. I mean, why I'm on it. If you ever wonder about the money, here's my policy. If you're a tither, I'll, I'll ask or I'll answer any question you have, and I will open the books to you. If you're a tither, if you're not a tither, it's none of your business. Not your money. So it's just my opinion. But I'm the pastor, so that's the rules of the house then, right? And so, that's, that's part of it. And so, uh, you know, look, I somewhat make light of it, but truthfully, I mean, sometimes people wonder those things. We have nothing to hide. And so, when it comes to these areas, you know, we want to be honest and open about the finances of the church. But it's, it's more than just that. It's about the blessings of God in your life. You know, the psalmist wrote and says, the blessings of the Lord will make one rich and he will add no sorrow. With it. Now, does God want you to have, you know, five houses and this and that? Well, I mean, probably not. I'm not going to say no, but probably not. But does God want to bless you? Sure. Now, what does that mean? What does blessing look like to you? It's different for every person. I can't define for you what blessing looks like, nor can you define it for me. Now, there are some things that we can look at and say, well, that's probably not necessary, but you know what? I'm not the judge of anybody. I'm going to stand before the Lord for my life. You're not going to stand before the Lord for my life. I am. You know, and I'm going to have to give an answer, and God's going to say, what did you do with what I put in your hands to do? And I want to be able to stand before Him and say, man, I was generous and I was gracious with the things that you placed in my hand. Money is not evil you know people say that and they like well the bible says money's evil and it says no the love of money the un the let me say it this way the unchecked desire for money that's what i would call love of money it's the unchecked the unreasonable desire for more that's the root of all evil not money money is just a tool that's all it is it's is just a tool that we can use to help us and so we're going to look at a few verses tonight. And I'm going to share just a little bit as we walk through it. But here in Proverbs chapter eleven, uh, probably one of my favorite verses concerning uh, generosity. And you've, if you've heard me preach twice, you might have heard me say this because I quoted a lot. But it says here in uh, Proverbs chapter eleven, verse twenty four, it says, "Give freely and become more wealthy." It says, "Be stingy and lose everything." It says, "The generous will prosper, and those who refresh themselves or will." Who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Very simply, what you make happen for somebody else, God will make happen for you. What you make happen for somebody else, God will make happen for you. So, if you're in need of something and you're lacking, there might be a seed that you need to sow. Now, I don't have the time to teach on it, but there's an account in the Old Testament, actually multiple times, where, a lady, where several ladies came to men of God and said, you know, I need you to help me. And the response was, what do you have? It wasn't that I have the answer for you. The they answer, one of the specific ones was Elijah uh, with the widow woman. And he says, what do you have in your house? And she says, all I have is a little vial of oil. That's all I have. And he says, go get a bunch of empty jars because what you have in your house is enough to meet your need. And so what I, the way I say that and the way I look at that is, is that for God to bless me, I already have everything I need for God to bless me and to, for God to provide for me. But there does become an act of obedience because the Bible says even about that widow woman that as long as there were empty jars, the oil flowed. And the moment that she ran out of empty jars to fill up, the oil stopped flowing. And the instruction from the prophet was this. Okay, take the oil, go and sell it, and pay your bills. God supernaturally provided in that moment for her need. Go and take care of your natural resources. And the only thing that limited her was the amount of empty jars that she could find. She went around asking everybody, I need jars, I need jars, I need jars. And she poured that oil out. And God used that to meet her need. And so, even, you know, and and there's others, lots of examples throughout Scripture of this. But many times, we're hesitant to sow first. But yet, that's the way the kingdom works. You can't get a harvest that you haven't sown for. You can't. I mean, God said in Genesis, He established it all the way at the very beginning. As long as the earth remains, there will be seed, time, and harvest. You're going to have to sow, and then you will reap. But the Bible also says, you will reap if you faint not. A few weeks ago, I shared this on Sunday morning. I just loved the statement. Uh, It was uh, Lori's dad, David. We were uh, having coffee one morning. He said something to me about it. And he says, you know, um, he said, don't wait till you're hungry to sow. In other words, don't wait till you have a need. And then you're like, oh, man, I need to go get some money to the church. I I need to go be generous. I need to go do this. Why? Don't wait till you're hungry. If you want bread, you need to go sow some wheat. And that takes some time. And it doesn't just happen overnight, and yet, you know, a lot of times when it comes to God's plan of prosperity in our life, people will, ha- will, ha- will make this statement, well, I tried that, and that's the problem. The problem was you tried. Now, I know that's a little heavy, and you're like, man, that's not very nice. I made a determination that I was going to be obedient to God in the area of my finances. I made a decision. It's who I am. It's not what I do. It is who I am. No more than, I don't just worship, I am a worshiper. There's a determination that I've made in my heart, man, this is who I am. And God says that, look, if you will honor me, if you will put me first, if you will make me first priority, watch and see if I won't open the windows of heaven to the point that there won't even be enough for you to use it all for yourself. Of Malachi 3. God said there, He says, See, just put me to the test. Try me and see if I want. And many people say, Well, I tried that. Really, how long? I know this, it takes about six months for wheat to harvest, to be ready for harvest. Because I used to live in a place where they harvested wheat. They planted in the spring and they would take it in the fall. It's roughly six months. And so, I believe that, you know, I mean, even in a natural sense... I didn't date Dara for two weeks and be like, we're going to get married. <laughs> it, didn't, it took longer than that. I mean, we dated for almost four years by the time we got married. Now, some of that wasn't our choice. We would have got married after about three, but we had a, a choice to honor her father or not. And so we chose to honor her father and his wishes. And so, um, you know, but even in that, I didn't know for two years. I sowed seeds into that relationship for two years not knowing where it was going necessarily. I didn't just go on two dates and be like, nope, I'm out. No, thank you. I, I continue. Why? Because I was sowing seeds into a relationship that now has turned into a life and a marriage and a son and, you know, all these things. But would have never happened if I would have just said, I don't see anything happening right now. I mean, now, I'm just going to tell you, This is a little bit funny. But I'm just going to tell you a little bit of our story. I'm the only guy that Dara had ever kissed. Ever. My story, not really the same kind of thing. And uh, so, that's all I'm going to say about that. But, um, yeah. And so, anyhow, she had a desire that says, my first kiss will be at the altar. And my first thought was, you're crazy. You're crazy. Like, that's nuts to me. We dated for over two years before we ever had our first kiss. Now, my past would have said, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. But yet, I was willing to wait to something in my mind that was just completely absurd. But yet, that could have cost me too. It could have cost me our whole relationship to be like, well, that's dumb. But yet, there was, and what the reason I'm saying that is this, is that there were things that I had to do and just be willing to Trust. This will be worth it. And many times, even when it comes to the area of our finances, people aren't patient with the Lord to say, God, I trust you. I mean, even to the point, and I believe this is where the Lord really wants us to be, in the area of our giving and our finances. God, if you never bless me financially, I'm okay with that. I'm not sowing to get. I am sowing to make a difference. And there's a big difference in that. I believe that when we sow to make a difference, that's where God says, I'm going to bless that person. When we sow to get, yes, blessings going to come, but it won't be an abundant harvest. Because it's the motive of the heart and what God really wants us to do. And so I always want to sow to make a difference. That's why I pray almost every time we're, we're sowing so that eternity is changed, so that people's hearts are changed. Why? Because we're, I want to be, you to be mindful that we're sowing to make a difference. We're sowing to change our city. We're, we're, we're sowing so that we can help other people minister the life of God to those around them. You know, and that's why we give. It's why we sow. And so it's important that we do those kinds of things. You know, um, Third John chapter 2, many of you can quote this just as well as I can. I'm going to read it out of the Amplified Bible. Hello. I don't know who that is. He says, I pray that in every way you may succeed and prosper and be in good physical or health physically just as I know that your soul prospers or that your soul spiritually matures and grows. And so if you're really serious about God wanting to bless you, one of the principles that we see here is that our blessing, even financially, is really tied to our heart growing and maturing. Why? Because when we're faithful with what's in our heart, God says, hey, I can put more in your hands. Why? Because the heart's right in what God is doing. And there's a direct connection between our finances and our heart. There just is. I mean, I love my wife, therefore I spend money. I didn't just ask her to marry me and go find the cheapest ring I could possibly find out of the gumball machine. I saved money and saved money and saved money for six, eight, nine months. Why? Because it was important and it's a token of what? Saying, you're valuable to me. And that was a sign to her. Well, the same is true even in, uh, and really it wasn't so much about the ring. It was more about my heart towards her. And that was just a symbol. The ring was just a ring. It's just a natural thing. It can be replaced, it can be lost, it can be found, it can have no value, necessarily. And yet, it was really showing of my heart towards her, my intention towards her. Well, the same thing is true here, is that when my heart is right, my finances will reflect those things. It's just a a principle. And so, God's plan is that we prosper in our soul so that when the finances and the natural things come, we actually can do the right things with them. That's God's desire for us. And so I want to read just a few verses. Some of these are familiar to you. But turn over with me to uh, Matthew chapter 6. We're going to read a couple of verses here. This one here is fairly familiar for most of you, I'm sure. Um, but I want to point out just a couple of things here in it. Jesus teaching here and says in verse 19, he says, Don't store up for yourselves treasures here on earth where moth eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves can break in and steal. He says, store your treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. And he says, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, wherever your real value is, that's where, what? Your heart is going to be. Wherever your heart is, that's where your money is going to be. You know, I mean, you can look at your hobbies, the things that you enjoy. You spend money on them, right? Do you have hobbies? Anybody? I mean, I met a guy years ago now, and and I didn't know it. And uh, he was really into, like, hobby planes. Like, you know, like the little remote-control RC planes. And when I say, I don't mean, like, $15, like, airplane. I mean, like, he built a hangar in his backyard to house his... Remote control airplanes. And he had a landing strip for them. I mean, it's crazy. I was like, wow, you're really into planes. Like, this isn't really a hobby anymore. This is like an obsession maybe. Like, but he had some, I mean, he invited me out there and I went to see him. And I'm like, this is, I mean, pretty remarkable. Why? but he was, and he was into it. I mean, he would geek out and start talking. I'm like, I have no clue what you're even talking about. I mean, it was impressive to watch, but I was like, can I fly that one? And he said, nope. <laughs> Why? He said, you can fly this one. And it was like this big. I'm like, no, I want to fly this one over here It's like this big. And he goes, no, you're not ready for that one. You don't have the first clue what you're doing. That one's difficult to fly. Well, he had a hobby, and it reflected that he was really into it. Why? Because he had invested a lot of money into that hobby. Well, that shows you what's important to him and what's of value to him. Now, he this was a great man. And he wasn't, you know, um, it's not like he was, you know, in a... I mean, it may sound absurd to you, but this man had the money to kind of do weird things like this, and that's what he chose to do it on. But we all have weird things that we spend our money on. We just do. There are some things, you know, that that you care about that other people just don't. There's things that I care about that other people don't, but I still, why? Because they're important to me, because I enjoy them, or whatever it may be. And and really, though, it's exactly what it talks about here, is that wherever your treasure is, wherever your value is, that's where you're, if you really want to find out where your heart is, look where you see where you spend your money. That's going to tell you what's important to you. Why? Because money is valuable to all of us. I mean, I've met people that were broke, and I've met people who were pretty wealthy. And one thing I've never heard anybody say is, I got enough money. (laughs) I've thought that about some people, and thought, you got enough money. I've never heard them say I've got enough. Never. Why? Because it's the human condition. I mean there could always be more and yet here it's important that we're watching our heart and really what's happening in our heart. In verse 24 of Matthew 6 he goes on and he says that no one can serve two masters. He says for you will love the or you'll hate the one and you'll love the other you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. And he says you cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. So you're going to have to make a pick. Do you want to live for the Lord or do you want to live for your money? Do you want to live for your stuff? Do you want to live for what you have a desire for? Because we have a choice. We have a decision to make in this moment. We all do. We have to make a decision. Is it God? I trust you with my money. I trust you with my finances. I trust you with my resources. You know, I mean, many of you, like, I'll give you an example of this, and, you know, um, I've shared this before, but one of the weird things that I like, I like watches. I'm a watch guy. Some guys are watch people. I'm a watch person. I like watches. I like to look at really expensive ones, and I'm like, that's crazy, but I still like to look at them. And uh, one time I went in a jewelry store and put on a watch that was $25,000 just to put it on. (laughs) No joke. Because I just want to know what it felt like. I'm like, that's like a nice car. $25,000 $25,000 watch, you know, and I was like, oh my, I was afraid to like breathe, you know, I'm like, I don't, I can't afford to drop this watch, much less buy it, you know what I'm saying, and uh, you know, but those are things that, that I do enjoy, but I've also had the Lord say, I want you to give your watch away, Dead gummit, I like this watch, God, can I give a different one away that maybe I don't like so much? You know, and here's the thing, what's the purpose of a watch? It tells time, hopefully, right? It's just an object. I happen to like them, though. That's why I bought it. That's typically why we buy things, we like them. Well, what happens when the Lord asks you or nudges you and says, Hey, I want you to sew that. Because I think sometimes it's easier for us to give money than it is something. And I've had the Lord ask me and say, Hey, sew that watch. And I've also had the opportunity where people have walked up to me and said, the Lord told me to give this to you. And they've given me watches. Why? Why did they give them? Because I had sewed them. i I had been obedient to the Lord, and that's a small thing. Now, look, I didn't give away no fancy, expensive watches. And for that matter, I didn't get a fancy, expensive watch. But I did get some nice ones. And the Lord blessed me in that. I believe, it, like, well, what in the world does that have to do with anything? I'm not sowing to get. I'm sowing to be obedient. And that's what matters. And that's really what I believe that even here it talks about this. Is that Look, you can't be enslaved to money and expect that you would have the freedom to truly serve God. It will enslave you if you allow it to. Money is a tool. Look, we need money. I don't know about you, but if I don't pay my mortgage, the bank's coming to kick me out. Right? Why? Because that I don't own that home. The bank owns that home, and I pay them every month to leave me alone. Right? And hopefully one day I will write them a bye-bye letter. Right? I no longer owe you. Quit sending me stuff in the mail. Thank you very much. But I have a house note. Today is what the, it's due tomorrow. Praise the Lord. Praise Jesus just bless those bankers, you know. But they serve a function. I got a house that I like that I get to live in that I couldn't write the check for so somebody else did and I pay them back for it. Praise God. That's the way. But it takes money. I mean we I mean I like to eat. I don't go out to my backyard and I mean I'm not a, a, a garden person. My my idea of gardening is going to the grocery store and picking up something that somebody else grew, that somebody else picked, that somebody else cleaned. And I exchange what to get that? Money. I worked in the garden hard. Look at all this I got in like 30 minutes. It's amazing. But it took money to buy the food. It takes money to put... Gas in my car. It takes money to have the lights on in this building right now. This air conditioner that we get to enjoy. Praise the Lord it's working today. I mean, you know, y'all can be safe. Our air conditioner is going to work because I sweat too much for it not to. And so our air conditioners will always work. Whatever we have to do, we're going to make sure they work. But all that takes money. Well, money is not evil. It's necessary. But the unnecessary desire for money is not good. It's not good in our heart. And it's exactly what he's saying here: is that Look, you cannot serve God and money. You know, I mean, the, and I don't, don't really want to get into it, but there is a spirit that falls upon natural resources. It's called the spirit of mammon. It's, this un, it's an unrighteous desire for more. And we ought to have a desire that God would increase us, yes. I believe every one of us should desire that God would bless us to the point. Why? Because God has a plan for that prosperity. God doesn't bless us for no purpose. He doesn't just say, well, well, you're great and you're wonderful and you just deserve an extra lollipop today. That's not the way God works. God has a plan. He has the design. I mean, you go and look throughout Scripture, everybody that God used, especially more so in the Old Testament, they were all blessed. Go look at Abraham. Hey, him and his nephew. Y'all are, we got too much cattle. We got to split. You got to go somewhere else so that your cattle can eat and so that my cattle and my... Uh, livestock can can live. we got too much stuff, so we've got to separate. That's blessed. Like, that's beyond blessed. So God doesn't have a problem with prosperity. What He does have a problem with is when it gets out of whack. And when it gets out of place, and when we become, the, that becomes the pursuit of our life. That's when it becomes a problem. God wants to be first place in our heart. And so we have to make that decision, which one will we serve? Are we going to serve God or are we going to serve money? That's an important decision that we have to make. Verse 33, he says here to seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything that you need. Now I believe this is a question that I believe that every one of us has to answer in the area of prosperity. How much do we need? How much is enough? How much stuff do I need? How much, You know, I mean, in my life and for me, I believe this is an important question to answer because it says, God, this is where, I, this is my life. And maybe even go a step further and say, Lord, how much do I need? Because there's, not everything's a need. I don't need an extra watch. I got a couple. I only got two wrists. I only wear one at a time. You know, I don't stack them up my arm. I mean, how many do I need? You know? I mean, these are questions. These are heart issues that I believe we've got to answer. At what point do I say, okay, I have enough? God, what do I do with this abundance? And I think we have to ask the Lord honestly this. Why? Because it's exactly what he says. Is that if I would seek God's kingdom, if I would keep God's kingdom first, he's going to provide what I need. And not only, and I'm going to show you this in a minute, is that God is not a God of just enough. You know, I was listening to a guy here talk recently and... It was funny. He was telling a story about his daughter wanting to be an interior designer and he's like, you know, and he was kind of giving her a hard time about wanting to do this and he was like, what is that what's the purpose of that? And he was like, there's no godly reason for that. And she's like, "Dad, have you ever went and read about the tabernacle?" And she started listing off all these things of how the god was particular and this was in gold and this was this and she was like, you know, and then go read about heaven and read what it looks like. And she was like, you know, and she kind of made the 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 end of it was this is that I think God's a lavish God. I mean, the things that we make a big deal about, God just says, well, eh, no big deal. But yet, when our perspective is right, when it comes to the area of finances, I believe that God wants to show himself as good in our life. Is God, not just the God who's enough for us, but the God who is actually more than enough for us. Not in the sense of more so that I can have more, but more so that I can be more of a blessing. So it goes back to what it says there in Proverbs 11. The generous person will be made Rich. Rich is not a dollar figure. It is a state of your heart and of your mind. And say, man, God, you have blessed me. And just as the psalmist wrote, hey, there's no sorrow added with this blessing. You know, like just practically for my season of life, I'm in my 30s. Well, this is the season in most men's lives where they were 30s and 20s, 30s, 40s, maybe even into the 50s, where what? They're trying to build for their family. I don't want to get to 60 and say, look what I did. Or 70 or whatever that age is. I want to look back and be like, man, only God did this. Only God has created the life that I get to enjoy. It has nothing to do with my hard work or my, my mind or any kind of ability or any of that kind of stuff. And, I, and even more importantly, I don't want to lose my family in the pursuit of Blessing. There's a lot of men and even women who sacrifice their family, their marriage, their relationships at the altar of more. And that happens in the church as much as it does in the world. That doesn't sound like no sorrow added. I lost my wife, I lost my kids, but I got a good retirement. Well, that doesn't that's not that's not the that's not the blessing of the Lord. The blessing of the Lord says, I'm going to make it to whatever age it is. My wife's going to love me, my kids are going to love me, people are going to love me, and I'm going to be able to be generous along the way as well. That's prosperity God's way. That's the way that He wants to show Himself in our life. And so, But there is a cooperation that we have to have with God. Is a man that we sow for what purpose? So that other people can be blessed, so that the kingdom of God can increase, so that people can be influenced by the gospel of Christ. That's why we sow. That's why we give. That's who we are. Paul talks about this in depth, and this is we're going to kind of focus in on uh, these passage here in Second Corinthians chapter nine for the next few minutes. We're going to read several verses here, but Paul is talking specific, uh, specifically about giving here. And this is a fairly, you know, if you've been around here much, you've heard me um, share bits and pieces of this, but I'm going to read it kind of just as it all together because I want you to see a few things tonight here. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and in verse 6, it says this. It says, Remember that a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. It says, But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. Verse 7 says, You must each decide in your heart how much to give. Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. In other words, don't be guilted into giving. You need to make a determination. This is what I'm going to do. This is, and even if it's to the point of, this is what I feel led to do. That's important. You need to settle that in your own heart. And he says, don't do it in response to pressure. Why? Because God loves a person who gives cheerfully says in verse 8 that God will, provide gener- or God will generously provide all that you need. He says, then you will always have everything that you need and plenty left over to share with others. See, that's God's plan right there for prosperity. It's not just about me and my family. It's about me and a lot of other people that God wants to bless through me. That I want to sow seeds that not just impact me, but go way beyond that. He goes on in verse 9 and says, As the Scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. It says, their good deeds will be remembered forever. Verse 10, it says, for God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then the bread to eat. It says, in the same way, He will provide and increase your resources and then, it says, and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Now, I know some of this language may be interesting, but let me say it this way. Is it in verse 10 here where it says, For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and the bread to eat. Properly, from a biblical perspective, God gave me the skill set to go and do the jobs that I do, and He's the source of my income, not my jobs. Nor my boss, nor my employer. I want to keep my focus that God is my source. Why? Because I don't want my job to be my source because if my job is my source, I'm limited to what they can do for me or what they're willing to do for me. But when God is my source, maybe God wants me in a different job with different people. Maybe God wants to bless me in a different aspect or in a different way that I haven't even thought about or considered I mean, if God's your source, resources can come from the most unexpected and unusual places. Now, this is not what I call lottery mentality Christianity, so don't hear that. God is not a slot machine. Like, that is not God, and that is not God's plan for prosperity either. I trust God that in His right timing, that when I need what I have need of, that He will provide it, and it's not for me to tell Him when I should get it. God, I'm sowing what? Because I want to make a difference. And I understand you're a good, faithful God, because I honor you, you're faithful to your word. Blessings will come in my life. And there are times that we've had challenges in the area of finances, and it changes the way you pray when you're generous. The Bible says that we can stand upon our generosity. And there have been times that I have said, Lord, we are sowers. That we have put a lot of seed out there. And I thank you that you are our source. And I have seen God come through time after time after time after time. And it's not because we're special. It's not because we have some special kind of faith. No, it's simply because I said, God, I've just made that. God, I'm going to sow and you are my source. And that's why I sow. Because it's a, every time I give, Father, I honor you with this. You are my source. I'm, I'm reminding myself that God is my source every time that I sow. And that may be buying somebody's lunch. So, I mean, kind of, if, if, if possible, when I'm talking about giving, take it out of just the mindset of, well, you're talking about giving to the church. That's an aspect. That's not the only we are to be generous in our lives, in every part of who we are. So God gives us the ability to what? To actually produce things that we actually get paychecks for, and that's what it says here. And it says that God will provide and increase your resources. I want God to increase me. Why? Because I want to sow more. Every year, I, you know, you get those little statements, we send them out, and they say, hey, this is what you've given this year. Every year I look at it and I want to see, did I do more than I did last year? Every year. Why? Because I I, I want to be systematic about it. I want to be paying attention to it. And God, how can I... Are there areas that I'm not being generous in that I should be? Are there other opportunities that I'm not currently sowing into, that I need to start sowing into? And I ask the Lord, what are those areas? Why? Because I want the Lord to to use me and I want Him to flow through me to bless a lot of people. And so when I have those opportunities, I want to sow. I want to to live in that place. Why? Because it says here that at the end of verse 10, it says that it will produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Not just out of you, but in you, in your heart, in your soul. It goes on here in verse 11 and it says that you would be enriched in every way so that you can be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, so this is, now this is, bring it back into church world. You give your tithes, you give to different initiatives that we have from the church, we take the money that you give and we go and be a blessing to other people. That's actually what he's talking about here. That would be the example. So, like, in the context of our church, every month we support a specific missionary, Pastor Paul Trokel, in Tanzania. He leads a Bible school, training up pastors and leaders. Our church has been doing it for years, So you could actually, let me kind of reword this. When Pastor Paul takes the gospel to people in Tanzania, Tanzanian people will thank God for you. Why? Because their pastor got trained by a missionary that we supported. So it's no longer just money that we've sent or or resources. Now it's turning into fruit... Spiritual fruit, building the kingdom of God, building churches that we've been a part of for years. To the point where, and you're about to see the full circle of how this thing works. Because what happens, and it goes, let me just read it and then I'll kind of expound upon it a little bit. It says, when we take uh, your gifts or your offering to those who need it, they will thank God. So two good things will happen as a result from this ministry of giving. I think those words are important. God views giving as ministry. You may not. You're like, well, I'm not called to the ministry. Sure you are. We're all called to what? To give. To be generous. To to give of our life. To give of our first fruits. And it says, so two things result from this ministry of giving. It says, the needs of the believers in Jerusalem would be met. And their joyful expression, uh, or they will joyfully express their thanks to God. So two things happen. A need gets met, and people praise God because of it. That's what happens when we sow. Here just a few weeks ago, for Mother's Day, we sowed into Mercy Ministries. And there are young women who are being helped, not just in our nation, but all around the world. Now we have seed in the ground there that their lives are going to be touched, their lives are going to be changed, their whole uh, direction of their life has now changed. Why? Because somebody sowed. Because mercy does it all free of charge. It doesn't cost a girl a dime to come. Well, they house them, they feed them, they take care of them, they send them to counseling, they take care of all their doctors, they do all kinds of stuff, all free of charge. How many of you know nothing's free? Well, now we have seed in helping them reach young women into their lives and to help uh, really, really, for lack—I mean, it's not really a lack of a better word—it's true—to rescue. These girls. And we and so what happens is now these girls' lives are going to be touched by the power of God, and they're going to give glory to God because you sowed. And you know, and here's the way God works I know where every dime came from. I know every person who sowed. It's never about the amount that you sow. So that and that's important. You sow what you're supposed to, you do your part. I do my part and God will take care of all the rest of it. You just do your part. That's all it takes. In verse 13 it says, As a result of your ministry, it says they will give glory to God. For your generosity to them and to all the believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. I'm just going to say this, I don't care. You know, there's a lot of debate when people say, you know, and they're like, oh, I love God. Do you really? Because, I mean, exactly what he says here. He says, as a result of your ministry, glory gets to God. He says, but from your generosity, other... or. From your, for your generosity to them and to other, other believers, you prove that you were obedient to the good news of Christ. Part of our call as Christians is to be sowers. And, and, it, and it uses the word obedient. Why? Because we actually are given a command. It's not really optional to sow. We were given a commandment to sow, to be generous, to live lives Beyond ourselves. And that's what happens. When we sow, we do live beyond ourselves. Our seed will live way beyond us. And it will produce a harvest way beyond anything that we could do. And so there is a connection between, hey, I, I love God and I serve God and I'm obedient to God. And there's a connection even in the area of my finances. I, love, I mean, I use this example. I love my wife. I bought her a ring. And and God supernaturally provided for that. Yeah, I saved up whatever money I could, which wasn't a whole lot. But yet, there were still blessings in that. That God was had, had done some things and opened up some doors. I mean, I got a 25% discount. Just because. And for me at the time, I was like, praise Jesus. That's what I'm talking about. That's a big deal for me. because the guy told me, and this was his words. This is what it's supposed to cost, but this is what it's going to cost you. And I won't go into the details, but it did have to do with somebody that, I, that had taken me there, and they were a pretty regular shopper. And just because I was with them, they said, we're going to give you a discount. Thank you. Praise God. <laughs> but out of that, what? That was a sign of my love. That's what we what we say. This is a token of my love and my affection for you. That's what that's what we say in vows. When people get married, right? I mean, we all if you're married, you said something like that. This is a token of my love, which apparently my love for Dare is much greater than her love for me. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I got the ring I wanted, which was the cheapest thing possible. And uh, so My thought was, if I want to go put my hand in a bucket of oil, I don't care uh, about what's on my hand. And so, you know, I'm like, whatever. It doesn't, it's just a ring to me, you know. But it is a sign, and it does communicate something. Now, in truth, if all I could afford was one of the cheapest rings I could find, she would have been fine with it. Why? Because she knew that I truly loved her. And it was not about the ring. It's not about the thing. I mean, as a matter of fact, she never saw her ring or even knew what it was until I proposed. So it's not like I even knew what she necessarily had wanted or per se. You know what I'm saying? So it's not like she went and hand picked it out and said, this is the ring you're going to buy me. That's not the way that went down at all. <laughs> but because I loved her, what? I wanted to do really more than I could. You know, and, and, and that even plays out in, even in our life with the Lord, I believe. When our heart's right and when we are actually mindful of what God has done in, in our lives, in our heart, there's a response to Him as well. And it's going to show up in the area of our giving. It's just going to happen. Why? Because there's this deep affection. It's not because I have to. Yes, it's a commandment, but I don't give because I have to. I give because I want to. Because I'm thankful for what God has done in me and I want to see that it happens in other people's lives as well. I love verse 14 here. And he says, after that we've sown, and because of this ministry, because of our generosity, he says, the people that we've now sown into will pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace that God has given to you. See, that's what happens when we actually begin to do other things. And we begin to stretch out and to be a blessing to other people. There's actually such a generosity in them that they actually begin to pray and ask God to bless us for our seed. And so it comes full circle. We sowed, it went, it got to them. They begin to pray for God to continue to bless us. And that's the circle of how God desires generosity to work. And it's all about keeping our heart right and keeping it in the right place. Is it God's, you know, I said this earlier, is that God's idea and God's plan for even our blessing is this is that we have enough for us and enough left over that we can bless other people. Look, I believe in sacrificial giving. I believe there's times that the Lord will actually prompt you, which I think that's the most important part. The Lord will prompt you, not a person. Don't be sending money to somebody on TV in the middle of the night. Go to bed. Yeah. Like, <laughs> You've got to know it's the Lord. That's right. yeah. Don't do anything just because anybody says it. I don't care if it's me. I don't care who it is. Sacrificial giving is different than giving, like what we're talking about. You better know it's the Lord. And I've had the Lord prompt me and say so. And I'm like, God, I don't know where I can find that money, but I found a way. Whether that, I mean, if you want something bad enough, you'll you'll sacrifice for it. I mean, I skipped on going a ski trip so that I could buy Dare's ring. And I love the mountains. Why? I was sacrificing so that I could pay for a ring. That was part of the... But that was the decision that I made. Well, sometimes the Lord will prompt you, and He'll ask you to to sow something. And it will be sacrificial, but this is the thing. We shouldn't stay in that place either. We should mature to a point where we now are sowing, not just out of where we're in a time crunch or in a, or in a hard spot. or where God, We ought to just get to, the, uh, and I believe this is God's plan, this is God's desire, is that He would prosper us to the point to where now we have leftovers. It's not God, I, I'm sowing just out of the little that I have, now I'm sowing God out of the abundance that I have. That's God's plan. Now there's nothing, and, and look, and I don't believe you ever get beyond sacrificial giving. So that's not what I'm saying. I believe there will be times that the Lord's going to say, Hey, I, I'm going to test you. Is your heart still for me? Is your heart still where it needs to be? And the Lord will prompt you in those areas. He does it with me. He'll do it with you. And what happens? Do we respond or do we resist? Do we step back and be like, Oh, no, I don't want to do that. I mean, I can remember, especially early on when I was living for the Lord, I'd give anything. I didn't care. I, was, I met Jesus. And I knew what I was and I knew what he had made me and I just didn't care about nothing. But given some time, that changed. And that's when the Bible talks about, hey, you've got to come back to that first love. You've got to come back to that that desire and that heart and that passion for the kingdom of God. See, here's, and and I'll say this because I think it helps, you can kind of hear my heart a little bit. And this is something that we all have to be very intentional about. One of the reasons that I pray all the time for the kingdom of God to expand every time that we sow is this, is I never want to forget what it was like to be lost. I never want to forget what it felt like to have life without God. To have life without Jesus in my heart, because I never want to forget that. And the thing is, is that as we get churched, we can lose sight of that. And that's the real value of even our giving, is that it's not just natural. We sow natural things that become spiritual fruit. It's a spiritual harvest in people's hearts and people's lives. That's the reason that we sow. And when that's our motivation, God says, I will bless you. I will bless you beyond your need. I will bless you beyond just a little bit. I will bless you more than enough. Because your heart is in the right place. And because your heart's in the right place, God says, you can be trusted. You've been faithful with what I've put in your hand, so I know that you're going to be faithful with more. And that just happens over and over and over again. You've been faithful. Think of the parable of the talents. The guy with two, he was given two talents. Or was it three? I can't remember right now. But either way, it was one, two, or three, and five. (laughs) I got two out of three. I know that. The one just went, hid it away. But the two that, that the Lord looked at and said, Hey, you were a good and faithful servant. What did they do with it? They went and increased it. And he says, hey, and what was their reward? More. He didn't say, hey, you've been faithful. Here's your two back. Go and get two more. He said, no, you were faithful with the two, so now I'm going to increase you. You were faithful with the five. I'm going to increase you. God's plan is to increase us as we're faithful. God doesn't increase through subtraction. He adds. He's into adding in it. his real fun when you get into multiplication. And God says, hey, man, I want to begin to bless you beyond what you've ever thought possible. Now, this is not get rich quick. That's the only i mean—the only hesitation I ever have to talk about finances is that. Because people have so skewed money in the church and have made it about a lot of other things other than what it was actually intended to be. But God's plan for prosperity is this. I want to bless you so that you can bless other people so the kingdom of God can increase, so that people's lives can be touched, so that hell is vacated and heaven is populated. That's the ultimate end, of, end game for God. And that's where our giving has to be focused in. Is that we want to sow to make a difference in people's lives. And when we do that, I believe, and even from Scripture, that I can see over and over again that when people are faithful with what they have, God will bless even more. And it's all about heart. It's all about where, really what your heart is and, and, and really the motives of the heart. Why are you sowing? And we all have to ask ourselves these questions. No one's immune from this. Why am I sowing it? And what do I, what's my expectation? Even what am I believing for God to do out of this? I'll remind you about Proverbs 11. It says, he who ministers, verse 25, or he, it actually says, he who waters will himself be watered. This is what I believe. If I keep my heart right in my sowing, I don't even have to believe God for my own needs. Now there are times, yes, but I believe if I keep my focus and my attention in the right place, which is to help other people, that God says I'm going to provide for you. And yet my focus is never on me; my focus is on the Lord. Now there's look, everybody has moments where it's like you got a need, you ought to pray to the Lord and ask about that. Say, Lord, I thank you that I'm a sower. I thank you that, I'm... but that shouldn't be where I live every week. That shouldn't be where you live all the time. We need to move beyond that place into a place of blessing where God says, hey, your motivation and your focus is to help and to sow into other people's lives. And I believe that as we do that, not only will our church be blessed, but I also believe that you will be blessed, your family will be blessed, that you can actually sow a legacy even for your kids. You can be the the start of, of God doing something great in your family. I mean, you know, I, I mean... And I know sometimes people hear those kinds of things and they think odd things. But, you know, as far as, well, it's easy for you to say this or that. You know, everybody's got their reasons of why that can't happen. Why couldn't you be the first to really see the blessings of God in your family, in your, in your life, where you could actually be assigned to everybody else? And they're all thinking, oh, well, you just got lucky. No, I trusted God. And God brought blessings into my life. And this isn't because of what I've done. It's not because of my hard work. It's not because of all those other things that you guys think. It's because the blessings of the Lord came and they've added no sorrow. And it's simply because I've I've put myself in a place and I've trusted the Lord. And that's how you bring about prosperity in your life. And God will bless you when you're faithful. When you simply walk it out week after week, month after month, year after year. You just sow. And when you have need, you'll watch. God will come through every time. Like, man, I would have never thought God would have done it like that. I would have never seen it happen like this. But you'll see it where God's been faithful. God's been faithful. God's been faithful. Time and time again. But it all starts with a willingness to sow what you have. I'll wrap up and close with this thought. I said it earlier, but I'll remind you of It's the key to all the provision that you need, you already have right now. You have it. For everything God's called you to do, everything that God has for you to do, you have the ability, the potential of that right now. Now, it may not seem like much, but if you're not faithful with what's in your hand, it can't become much. If you're faithful with what you have in your hand, God will increase you. God will increase... Why? It's a principle that God has established. If you'll be faithful with what you have right now, even if it's just a small seed, sow that seed and watch a harvest come. So you've got to be faithful with that first. And then you'll see the blessings of God continually, time after time after time, just because you honored him and you kept your heart.